0: Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to another episode of EveryoneHatesMarketers.com, the no-fluff actionable marketing podcast for people sick of shady, aggressive marketing. I'm your host, Louis Ponier. In this episode, you'll learn that what motivates a person to take a decision and how it can increase conversions and even retention. So my guest today worked for several consulting companies as a software engineer, then a software architect building e-commerce websites. And he noticed something that was quite interesting. He noticed that most big companies didn't really care about what users were doing on their website and and it was always kind of an afterthought and something that i completely agree with. He says that it's only when a company invests uh, millions in the website without a, a single order for months thereafter that they start uh, looking into what's wrong with it. So he's the founder of, of Invest that he founded in 2006, which is one of the leading conversion rate uh, optimization agencies in the world, working with massive clients like Target, 3M, eBay, Name.com, et cetera, et cetera. So Halit Saleh, very happy to have you on board.
1: Thank you, Louis. Very happy to be with you as well.
0: So let's, let's get down to the to very, very important topic. I, I believe looking at your website, the stat might have changed a bit, but you, you work primarily with e-commerce websites, right? Or, or is, it, is it changing?
1: Uh, I would say about 70% of our, our clients are in the e-commerce space. Um, the other 30%, 20% in SaaS, 10% in, in lead gen. At some point, and, and it's funny when it comes to, to marketing because you can have theories about marketing and then the theories tend to fly out the window or the door, <laughs> it depends, when you actually start doing the work. So everybody knows that the more niche you are and the more targeted you are, the better off you are. At some point when we start doing conversion optimization, we sort of just walked into it. It's like, no, I didn't really know what conversion optimization was. I think actually the first six months it was not even called conversion optimization. And then at some point I'm like, you know what? We know e-commerce really well. Let's focus on e-commerce. So we spent about eight years just saying we're an e-commerce conversion optimization, but then you have all these different companies knocking on your door. And I'm like, hmm, money is nice. Why not accept everybody? And now I'm stepping back and I'm like, you know what? I always sit with my clients and I tell them, focus, focus. Maybe I should give that advice to myself. So we're going through this debate, you know. It's nice in theory, difficult in practice.
0: Yep. And I can give you a bit of, of insight into that because I was looking into this very topic recently. I believe it comes from like the paradox of, of choice that people have. It's the fact that humans are incredibly, it's incredibly difficult for humans to say, no two opportunities and we tend to keep all options open just in case right and it actually creates anxiety and lack of control when we have too many options uh, open and so it's kind of the opposite and what what humans tend to forget usually is the opportunity cost of not doing something so for you for example i would challenge you back and i know you have way more experience than i I do but i would say what are you missing on by not focusing on e-commerce only that's
1: no. True. no, no. That's a very good question. So let me let me throw this back at you, and, and I always find it very interesting. So yesterday, uh, we're, we're based in Chicago, so I was watching, listening to an episode. Really amazing company, Basecamp. Uh, Jason Freed. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do amazing marketing. However, I was thinking to myself, um, the advice that they give, and it goes back to what you say works sometimes really well when you're established and you have 120 million dollars annual revenue and you're a company of 55 when you are a company of like you know, 10 people and you're doing a couple million dollars or if you're doing even less than a million you know the advice sometimes i'm like oh my god it goes back to anxiety i'm like oh am i gonna say no to this to this client now, now mind you and, it, and it's very funny i still remember one day this uh ex-hamster reached out to us you know porn company i mean you talk about money Money's there. And they said, hey, guys, we need you to come and optimize the website. I had made the decision a long time ago, no gambling, no, no sex, no porn, and no religious companies. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to get out of this because we have like multifaceted companies. I don't want to put somebody in a position that they're uncomfortable with. I have amazing, like, you know, lady specialists who would, these are our senior guys. I'm like, I'm not going to ask them to like, optimize the site. And I still remember, like, you know, the guy emailing me back. He's like, you just set your budget and, you know, we will, we will pay whatever, like, you know, you want now, this was about three, four years into starting Invest. And I can tell you, I'm like, you know, like there are times that I'm like, I'm looking there. I'm like, oh my God, you know, I can ask them probably like over $50,000 a month and they wouldn't even say no. And then like, you know, later on, I was talking to a friend who's in the industry and I told him, I'm like, yeah, they reached out and I said no and it was tough. And he's like, really? It's like, how do you build your business without working with like, you know, porn companies? And I'm like, really? I did not know that. He's like, of course, like every company you see here. I'm like, well, I don't know if every company, but at least for us, you know, th- that it was it was an easy decision at some point, but at the same time, it was not very easy. Uh, correct? Like you just have to sit there and say, yep. you know what? "We'll walk away from this."
0: But I believe that the best, the best company, the ones that stand out, that radically stand out from the, from the rest, are in always an uncomfortable position where they have to say no more than they say yes. And looking at what you might have gained from not doing this is interesting. It's like you know, maybe that when you start working with them, maybe some people would find out uh, about it and wouldn't work with you anymore. Or maybe you start focusing on a very specific industry with different needs, and therefore your employees have to learn about it, and maybe some of them will leave. Like, there's so many consequences of of making a decision. So it is super interesting, because actually, a few years ago, I had a conversion rate optimization agency, okay. believe it or not, that was 1,000 times less successful than yours. In fact, after two years, I stopped it. I burned oh. out. And because I made all the mistake in the book uh, selling for the wrong people. But I be- we had the exact same discussion. A porn company actually reached out to us and we also decided not to work with us and uh, not to work with them for the same reason. So it's interesting and uh, it's like a little deja vu for me. Anyway, I think we've established that you are much smarter than me at this stage because you managed to run a company for the last 15 years, uh, tw- uh, 14 or, years or, or like there,
1: at the same time. And sometimes like, you know, success, you know, it's like, uh... You have the process. You have the right people. Multiply that also by like you know a success factor anywhere between one to three thousand, and you know it's, it depends on where, where you are sometimes. So
0: yes, very true, very true. But I think you you have a lot to teach us. And and the the core problem that we're talking about is the is what actually motivates people to do something, and and why does it matter in the context of increasing conversion rate, right? So why don't you tell us? Let's start actually from the beginning, which is let's imagine that I'm a new e-commerce client. Reaching out to you the right size. And maybe you can describe to us like what is the typical client the best to work with. We come to you and we say we want to increase conversion rate. Let's go through the process you go through, starting with te- teaching us, teaching me how do people de- de- take decisions and why it's important for my business.
1: I like that. So, one of the first things that uh, that I do, and I actually had to wake up very early in the morning because I emailed somebody and I was confused on the day. So, I thought I had a meeting tomorrow. Turned out to be today. I'm like, oh my god! Like, you know, they're waiting for me to jump on a call. But I, I, one of the first things that we do is like, you know, let's look at the numbers before we even talk about human motivations and, uh, and whatnot. Whether it makes sense to do conversion optimization or not. Now, there's two different types of conversion optimization. There is conversion optimization that's based on A-B testing, which means I'm gonna figure out what's broke on the website and I'm gonna give you the fixes. But don't take my word for it. Let your visitors judge the quality of the work. They might like it, they might not like it. And I know some people have been humbled way too many times where I could like you know I bet my money on a version and then visitors like you know decide otherwise. I'm like, really, guys? You know, this is so much better. But you know, visitors have a way of thinking. So that's that's your typical conversion optimization engagement where you're coming up with fixes and you're deploying them as, as A-B tests. Usually what I tell companies, if you're going to do any type of A-B testing, where you start is you want to have at least 500 conversions a month. If you're on e-commerce, that's 500 orders that's coming to your site. Lead gen, 500 people, you know, so filling out the contact form says 500 subscriptions. Anything less than that, it's really tough to do conversion optimization. It's tough to do A-B testing. I know I'm like, every time I say that some people who are working with smaller clients get really annoyed with me. And I've gone through too many discussions that I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to battle this out. You'll, you'll, figure out that it's really tough because you have a company that comes to you and they have let's say 100 conversions a month while you give them a new design like hey listen like you know i know your e-commerce website is broken your cart page is not working here's a much better design and then you go to the next step and you say, don't take my word for it. Let's deploy it as an A-B test. Well, with 100 conversions, your A-B test might take, oh, I don't know, two to three months, four months. And the client is sitting there twirling their thumbs. And you're sitting there coming up with new designs and new tests. But the client can't run the new test because they're waiting for the first test to run. So that's kind of like, you know, I would say like you a know, 500 conversions, most of our clients, I would say our larger clients get thousands of conversions per day, which is really nice. Uh, When you're working with a company that does 10,000 conversions in a day, I mean, you're reach, you able to do so much more testing and you're able to achieve amazing results. Where we start seeing that we're really impactful is above a 1,000 conversions, Uh, above a 1,000 conversions per month. We're we're starting seeing, you know what? We know they're going to come in. We know at least we're going to do about 30, 40% increase in conversions in a year's time. Now there's this the smaller guys, they say, Hey, well, I'm just starting out and I really want to improve my site. What is this? Like, you know, so I always tell them, "Like, hey, You'll do conversion optimization without A B testing, which means guess what? You'll hear my opinion. I'll tell you this design is better. And you just have to believe me, you know, and just cross your fingers and pray. And I always ha- uh, h- hate it when I say, I'm like, you know, some conversion optimizers, like, you know, they have this. Amazing process, 15 steps, 16 steps. And I'm like, they skip the most important step. And they're like, what is that? I'm like, prayer. Cause they're always praying, <laughs> oh God, please help me. Oh God, like, don't, don't embarrass me. Now, mind you, of course, with, I mean, we just, we just signed up uh, a client yesterday. They have about 50 conversions a month. And I was very upfront with them and I told them, I'm like, listen, like, you know, 50 conversions ain't no A B testing happening here. A conversion is worth about, like, you know, I think for them it's about $22,000. So it is worth like really paying. And they're like, hey, if we get, Two to three conversions more will do well. And I tell them, yeah, but guess what? You can't really track. I mean, you get two, or three conversions up or down in a month, anyways. You cannot track whether it's our work or not. They're like, oh, we believe in you. I'm like, oh, I, I worry sometimes when one company's telling us like, oh, I love you. I don't want to work with you. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, no, it's so much better when you can see the numbers and you know for sure the the impact that I that I generate. So that's kind of in terms of the numbers. The next thing that I do, which is a bit different, and I've now done it for the last couple of years, is to look at the site and say, listen, why do people buy? And people make decisions for so many different reasons. And then you know, think about the last thing. What's what's the last thing you bought? Let's talk talk about that. That's a bit more interesting. Uh,
0: New microphone.
1: New microphone. Nice. How much did you spend on it? Nearly $500. Ah, I love those, by the way. So... Let's dig deeper into why you bought a microphone, if you don't mind. This will be a lot more interesting. What was? When did you buy the microphone? Uh, I think last month, thirty days ago. So. Okay. Do you recall? Was it a Was it a weekday, weekend? I think it was during the week. During the week, do you remember what day? Monday,
0: Tuesday.
1: (laughs) No. No. Do you remember day or night?
0: I think it was during the day, working day.
1: Working day. Where Where were you? Just set me back. My office. In your office. How was the weather that that day? I don't remember. You don't remember, and you're sitting in your office, correct, by yeah. yourself. Okay. So mm-hmm. what was happening? What made you pull the trigger at that, that time to say, you know what?
0: So I can be I can be a very bad interviewee or very good interviewee. So I can tell you the lies. I can rationalize my decision, make you think, no, no, oh, it's yeah. because the truth. Yeah. The reason why about it is a purely emotional job, a purely non-rational decision. It's purely because I'm looking. I've been looking for years for a microphone that gives me kind of a radio voice, a, a bit of a deeper voice. Not that I have a high voice, but I've been I've been hearing a lot of folks in the in the podcast world who who have this very amazing sounding voice, and I never be able to achieve it. And what tipped me, what made me fucking say, you know what, I'm gonna buy it now. I actually can't recall exactly why did I say. I think I was probably listening to an episode of someone else, and I was like, "He sounds great." And you know what? Fuck it, I'm gonna buy this. I love it.
1: Okay, so we're gonna stop here. If I'm if I'm the marketer, who's doing the marketing for it? What what kind of uh, mic, by the way?
0: It's a Shure SM SM7B. I
1: was gonna say it's a SM7. It must be. Yeah. So, let, let's give sure some advice over here because I have seen their marketing, by the way what do they do? Like, you know, it's just the typical feature set, correct? Like, you know, that's like you go and you go, to whether it's Amazon or b video or whatever, like you know, site, look at the, how they describe it. That's the functional aspect. Forget about the functional aspect. You want to compete on functionality? For somebody like me, I also bought my mic. I did not invest $400. You know, I spend a little bit less, like, you know, 250. And when I look at these mics and you give me the functional specs, I really have no clue. I mean, I watch YouTube videos, but they're meaningless. And I listen to audio, even on YouTube. I, don't, I put my fancy headset on. I, can, I cannot tell the difference. It is like so low. Most marketers, when they do, and, and you can go, like, you know, pull up, like, you know, sure like, you know, SMB7. Like, look at how they're listed. It's just the functions. What you have said is so powerful. It's about the radio voice, correct? I mean... It's time to like, you know, take your podcast to that next level. It's time to have that radio voice. And if I'm like, I would change my copy completely based on that, because that would appeal to me, correct? That would appeal to you. And where am I going to be running? Like, you know. My my ads. Oh, typically, they run their ads on PPC and whatnot. Guess what? For that kind of specific microphone, I will find the podcast with the like you know the the the, the speakers who have an amazing radio voice, and I would run my ads there because guess what? People who are listening to it—that's what triggered you It's like, oh my god, it's time for me to make that decision. Now, what you've done, amazing interviewee, is you actually. Took me from the functional aspects to the emotional and social aspects. I've been thinking about buying a car now. Like, you know, finally, I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm sick and tired. I'm, I share a car with my wife, and like, we've, we've been working from home, and I'm like, I don't need a car. So I'm sitting there looking, and I'm like, oh, we can buy a car. Okay, maybe I'll, I'll put a budget. And my wife is like, you don't really need a car. Okay, so if you're gonna buy a car, you know, buy something for like you know, l- l- the budget was twenty thousand. Great, twenty thousand car probably like gonna be small. It's gonna take me from point A to point B. Functionality. My brother-in-law. Yeah, just bought BMW, you know, a five series. And here I am, has nothing to do with the functional aspect. I mean, I can get like a Corolla, like, you know, 20,000 and we're done. And I'm thinking, I'm like, oh no, oh no. If he bought a BMW, I got to get me a BMW. And I'm like, justifying it in my mind. Correct. So there is a social element. Oh, how my friends. And, and I, I sit with my wife, I'm like, and if we go and visit a client site, it will look really nicer. And she's like, call it We've been doing this for 15 years how how many times have you visited clients i'm like twice in 15 years (laughs) just like you're trying to justify it Uh, that's what humans do correct we buy on emotion we justify with with logic Uh, so when you look at a site copy an e-commerce website copy, i look at the emotional aspects at this point most websites have the usability done correctly we figured out like oh the button needs to be here the image needs to be there but what we've done with e-commerce, by the way, which is sort of embarrassing, is we took the typical paper catalog that we get in the mail and we just programmed them online. It's the same exact thing, the same boring copy, the same experience. And then we wonder why we only converted one or two percent. It's like, okay, well, that's the reason. I think lots of times when people do conversion optimization, the company I was talking to in the in the morning, they're like, oh, we need to test different hero images, different CTA colors. And I'm like, really I'm like that's not good. and they they had a 6% conversion rate which is pretty good and they want to go to 20% and I'm like okay I'm like wrong expectations because that will take years you know I, I told them maybe like you know in the next 30 years we will be able to achieve that who knows but I'm like it's not about the images and it's not about the CTA I'm not saying I was telling people, I'm like listen when you persuade somebody to buy from you, they'll find that CTA. I'm not saying you should hide your CTAs, but they'll find it, correct? They'll contact you. Your challenge is not in the CTA. Do, do it right. Sometimes people like also hide the CTA. I'm like, really? Where is this? I'm ready to convert. How can I do it? No, let's have the CTAs. Let's have the right images. But persuasion is a lot harder, correct? Sitting with somebody is almost like, you know, they're coming to your website and writing that amazing copy that convinces somebody. It's like, oh, not only do I want to buy this item, I must buy this item. That's very powerful.
0: So let's unpack what you said, because it's extremely powerful. And I think I made a mistake when I said it's an emotional job, like an emotional thing, because its it, I would say it's more psychological, a story that you tell yourself, uh, the status that you want to, that you're seeking and all, and all of that. The reason why I say that usually it's a mistake when people say it's emotional is because I'm not going to go very, I actually dug into that, look into that recently. I'm going to explain just briefly why people take decisions So and what part of the brain. So it's, it's the orbitofrontal cortex called the OFC, which is part of the brain. That makes decisions. And when we make decisions, the emotional system shuts down. Mm-hmm. right? In the OFC, assigns a of value, which is around reaching the goal, the reward, to attempts based on the goals that we have. And the behavior is driven by the expected value of the choice we're making, which is the discrepancy, the difference between the actual state and the desired state. And so what's super interesting here is that that's what the job to be done methodology is about. It's about understanding what actual state I am in, which was, I had a good microphone, but I wasn't super happy about the the voice and the desire state, which is, I wish I had a radio voice. What tripped me into actually taking the plunge, the catalyst was hearing someone else for the thousandth time. And this time was like, fuck it. I'm going to buy it. (laughs) And what's interesting here is emotions are not necessarily related to, it's more the psychological story and all of that. And most of the time, exactly as you said, it's never about the function, it's about the story, about telling yourself the status we seek to make and all of that. And I'm glad you mentioned that as the first thing. So before going to the next step together, let's talk about how do you find that out? And I know you have a webinar coming up where you talk about interview, interviewing users and whatnot. What is the number one method uh, that you use with your clients to find that out and to be sure this is why people take a decision and then we can transform that into copy and whatnot?
1: Definitely. So one of the first things that we tell our clients is, let's look at your customers who bought from you. And that's just I asked you, when did you buy? Uh, I like people who bought within the last three months. And we segment those into different buckets. And, and the idea is, because... With each bucket, there's probably different motivations, different emotions that trigger that that event. Most of our customers are fairly established that they'll have two or three different buckets. And then we'll tell them, okay, we want to interview one or two pre, uh, recent customers from those buckets, send them an email. We want to talk to the decision maker and we'll tell them, hey, we'll conduct a 45-minute interview with you, 45 minutes to an hour. Well, we're going to be talking about your journey of making the decision of purchasing this specific product. Typically, we get really nice response. Uh, we would offer an Amazon gift certificate or a gift certificate within the same uh, same store. Uh, you'll always end up with a couple of people who are coming to do the interviews just because of the gift certificate. That's fine. It is what it is. I'll take that. But the majority of the people who are willing to sit, sit there, and we typically start the interviews by saying, thank you for you know for, for agreeing to this uh, we're going to be doing a much larger research project about how people buy microphones uh, this is going to happen probably next year but until then we wanted to talk to customers who bought the microphones recently and we want to hear their story we want to spend about 45 minutes hearing really your 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 story about how you made the decision to buy the microphone now This is your story. There's no right or wrong in in saying it. So as I'm going to be asking you questions, feel free to change your mind, change your opinion. That's the reason, by the way, I asked you, when, what day was it? How was the weather? And I would have drilled a lot more if we have the time. I will get you back to that mental state. That's the idea. You know, what was the podcast? Who was The idea is to get them back to that mental state. Part of the intro to the interview, I tell them, think of it as us shooting a do- documentary. It's a documentary style. I'm the director. At some point, if you watch the documentary, the, the, we, we stop the documentary, the camera zoom in on you, and the director is asking you questions. The cameraman is behind, and we're zooming in. What was the day? How was the weather? Um, Was it day or night? Did you get a phone call? And what's amazing by the way as you do those interviews, just like how you did, was like, I don't remember the day. I don't remember, like, you know, it's like, well, it was a weekday, but maybe it was during the day. As you drill a bit deeper, all of a sudden, like, you know, something happens. You will eventually ask a question and you bring the person back to that state. And it's like, oh no, I remember. Yeah. Oh, it was Tuesday and it was just two o'clock and it was a little cloudy. I don't really care about those details, but I the minute I see that light bulb go on, I know that I've got that mental state. And Typical marketing interviews we would ask people like oh so how was the experience using our product I'm not concerned about that I do not ask that I mean that, that that's something else that's usability I'm actually trying to capture the mental state of you made the de- when you made the decision what triggered you that's number 1 but then think about the mic uh, what I would have asked you is to say so let's let's go back a little bit you know, further down, like you know, the memory lane. When was the first time you actually considered buying uh, a Sure SMB Seven? Do you remember? Like, you know, why we start going back, correct? Because there was like a a time that happened that you're like, you know what? Maybe you were listening to a, a podcast. Maybe you're and you're like, oh, I got to do some research. So people have initial trigger events, then they go into some sort of passive, like you know, search, like you know, search a little bit, then they go to passive, and then there's another trigger event, second trigger event, and that's when you go to active, and I'm like, you know, I've done the research. I am ready to convert. When you uncover those you know, initial trigger events, second trigger events, the passive search, the active search. And you just, all we're doing, by the way, is we're just typically those interviews, again, 45 minutes to an hour, we transcribe them. But the words that come out of people and how they describe them, I'm like, oh, this is such a goldmine. I always joke about this um, on LinkedIn. I also tell people, like our clients think that I write an amazing copy. And I tell them, I don't. It's your own customers who write the copy. You just take their words and you use it. So I'll give you an example. We're working with an SEO company. So one of the largest SEO companies uh, in the US, they came to us, they said, they want to hire you to help us increase conversion rates on our site. So I'm literally telling them about this jobs to be done interview and their uh, CEO looking at me and he has this look on his face and he's just not convinced. I'm like, okay, so we'll go through this process. And I try to explain to him, I'm like, it's really powerful. He's like, no, I don't think so. I think it's just not good. Two weeks to convince him. Eventually, we do the interviews, and then I call him, and I'm like, hey, do you mind jumping on those interviews? He's like, Khaled, he's like, like, how long have you been doing marketing? I told him since 2005, 2006. He's like, Khaled, I was doing marketing since 1990. What were you doing in 1990? I'm like, I'm still in high school. He said, okay. (laughs) I'm like, all power to you. I'm like, just jump in on the call. So we do the interviews. And after the third interview, I jump back on a call with him, and I tell him, what do you think? we're deciphering the emotion. He said, you know what? He's like, I thought you were bullshitting me when you suggested interviews. So I'm like, oh, thank you. It's like, and now he said, he's like the value of this is tens of millions of dollars for us. Now, if you go to their homepage, it's like a typical homepage, SEO company since 1996. The new headline that's about to go is they thought, and, and this, is, this actually came from one of their clients. They said, they thought all SEO companies suck, but then they saw our work. That's literally what his, he's like, oh, all SEO companies suck. But then when I saw the results and I'm like, oh, I'm like, this is different headline. This is punchy. This is something that stands out. And it took me also, by the way, two more weeks to convince convince our clients. I'm like, just use it. He's like, no, this is too informal. I'm like, yes, you're just a normal human, you know, must be informal.
0: So, okay. There's a lot to unpack there. That's absolutely Brilliant answer, everything I was expecting, and more. Uh, so you'd reach out to recent customers who purchased in the last three months, and you would chat with them, tell them, it's like shooting a documentary. I want to know about your mental state when you were about to take this decision. And exactly what I described from a neurological perspective you described from like uncovering that in an interview. You want to know the actual state they were in and the desired state that they wanted to, to go, and what prevented them from going into this desired state. Uh, so there's two things I want to unpack here, very importantly, because we've talked about running interviews on this podcast a few times before, but you've you've mentioned two things that are incredibly important. From your experience, what are the biggest reasons why folks inside a company are, don't want to talk to customers, or don't find it valuable? So you already mentioned one. I think people th- thi- thinking that they know best, they know best than their customers because they have so many years of experience, so they, they know best. Uh, but what are the reasons, like, emotionally, psychologically speaking, that really actually prevents them from interviewing the customer using the copy, etc.
1: Yeah. Uh, I have a friend, a CRO, Rishi, and, and we've done a webinar with him recently, and we talk about interviews. And I always tell him, I'm like, Rishi, you should do interviews for your clients. First off is amazing money, you know, because it's like the clients would love you. Whenever I get from my clients, I always insist that our clients sit through the interviews with us because it's just so powerful. And clients resist because they're worried. With, with, with clients resist, usually sometimes they're worried about what they're gonna hear uh, about their product. And I'm like, first off, we're not gonna be talking about your products. And that's by the way the problem with marketers. We're always so self centered. Like, oh, we don't want to hear about. No, no, no. We're not gonna be asking about your product. We're actually gonna be talking about the customer and the emotional emotional journey of the customer it has nothing to do with you. It's about them. Like you know, saying, I'm gonna fire the previous microphone and I'm gonna get a sure SMB seven you know, it has nothing to do with you but we're so self-centered although we talk about customer centricity all that goes the window flies out the window whenever we we start thinking about it so we're we're worried and then number 2 is and and i remember doing this is we don't know how to run interviews correctly and and we we do them and then we don't get insights out of them i can tell you like in you know, a few years back and I record all the interviews. I went back and I listened to the first couple of interviews and I'm like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. No wonder there were no insights out of this. And the fact that a client at some point paid for it and I actually tried to find some insights and generate a report for the client. So being self-centered not knowing, like you know, how to run the interviews, I think those are two of the main, like you know, main problems. And then we don't really appreciate the value, by the way. Uh, you know, we've been here. I was working with with a large retailer, and. We've done interviews with them and we came back with recommendations. And I still remember their VP of of e-commerce and he was like, oh, this is fucking stupid. I'm like, whoa, you know, like we don't really usually get such a response from from a client. And uh, I asked who's my partner. She's like, Kyle, you got to call him because he went ballistic on on the findings that we, we came up with. I'm like, sure, I'll call him. And usually when I'm jumping to talk to a client is usually when there's a problem. And when we reach to like, you know, like, okay, the client is really pissed. So get on a call. I'm like, hey, David, what's going on? He's like, oh, this was the worst thing I've ever seen. This is insulting to us. You know, we've been in business since 1932. And like, you know, the guy, like, you know, he's like, it just shows that you guys don't understand our markets. It took, based on the interview, we made some recommendations. It took about a month. Or maybe three weeks to convince him to run the testing and you know and then back and forth and insults we run the test and i still remember his call he's like he calls me out. was like it. he's like i have to apologize i'm like what he's like well i thought you know what you guys suggested was just fucking stupid i'm like yeah he's like well it turned out i was the fucking stupid guy <laughs> and i'm like well thank you david like you know because lots of people wouldn't admit it. he's like he's like he's like i take my words back i've learned something new so i always tell people i'm like if you think you know everything there's to know about your customers, you probably should not be in marketing. Uh, you should probably choose something
0: else. <laughs>
1: your life's not going to be very interesting as a marketer.
0: So that's that's super important and and something you touch on before I want you to know about because I've actually heard someone following the podcast uh, asking for advice uh, for uh, saying this exact thing. He's talking about, you know, I'm afraid of not using jargon in my copy in the way I do stuff because I don't want to sound stupid. You know, my customers are smart, so I must use all of those buzzwords or else they're going to think I'm stupid. What do you say to that? How do you convince someone that this it's the opposite? The more buzzwords you use, the more stupid you're going to sound.
1: You know, it's funny because uh, I was speaking at a conference and this big strategy company comes up. They, they want an evaluation for their landing page. Uh, now, I'm on a panel and I have a gentleman with me who's been doing CRO for a while and i he read and he gave them some call, like you know comments about like you know like the, the hero image and testing this and we need, and then when it was my turn i told them I'm like i'm like, can i be brutally honest they're like oh of course i don't like do you have somebody like you know with you over here and he's like yeah i have like you know, a lady who worked with us so i'm like okay let me tell you like here's my feedback but and then i want you guys to do something based on this landing page i want you to write me exactly you know what a client would expect to get as a result, and I want the lady who's working with you to write the same thing, like the service that you're offering. So I'm like, write it. And they're like, write it on the, like, yeah, just write it on a piece of paper. I'm like, okay, this is very unusual. So I have them write it, and I'm like, can you give me the two papers before I read them? I'm like, let me tell you something, and this was a bit risky from my side. I told them like, I understand every single word that you have on the page, but when I put them together, I have no clue what you guys offer. So he was not comfortable. He's like, really? He's like, what is this? You don't understand. I'm like, but let me show you how. And then I started reading what he wrote about the service. You know, it was like a couple of lines and what his, like, you know, his coworker wrote. And they were completely two different things. I told him, so I didn't understand it. Your clients are not going to understand it, but even worse, you and your your like you know coworker did not even understand the same thing because you're using those like you know big words like you know strategy this and innovation. I'm like I have I mean I know what strategy is and I don't know what innovation is, but what I know and what you know are completely different. Ultimately, you're selling to a human, and nowadays we live in an age where people really like the minute we feel we're being marketed to, we put our barriers. I, I do it, you do it, everybody does. I don't want to be sold to, um, and I'm I'm super smart. You're super smart. Don't try and like you know sell me. Let's just. Let's have a conversation. It's a lot more, it's a lot more interesting. Now, I tell you, that guy, by the way, and after he read this, oh my God, his face was red. He was very annoyed with me and I got like some really bad review that I think it was probably <laughs> like, Hey, I tried to help, you know, not, not everybody's ready to accept that.
0: All right. So uh, another thing to consider that touches on, on what you said is, is, is the fact that the brain uses 20% of the sugar of the body, right? Even though, even though the brain is a very tiny organ compared to others, and we want to use as much as less energy as possible. And so when you give us words that we can understand individually, but then we don't understand, like, it takes energy to decipher what it means and what you actually say and whatnot and you're already lost. When you you use simple words, words that I would tell myself, when you match the words that I'm telling myself on the website, there's no energy spent. You basically talk to me you know and it's such a an empowering feeling when you make peace with that and stop trying to sound smart and said sound clear. it's yeah it's it's amazing And uh, I interviewed Joanna Webb, uh, who's a famous kind of commercial copywriter two years ago, I think, on the podcast, and she said something similar to you, which is, you know, good copywriters don't write copy, they just steal it from customers. And so I'm just going to repeat that over and over and over again until everyone understands that this is the way to go, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because having to make that transition to say, you know what, I am willing to use the words that people tell themselves when they're sitting at home, it's tough. And you can look at uh, our homepage as a perfect example. Right now, like, you know, for, actually for a while, The copy was world-class conversion rate optimization. By the way, that is a classic self-centered, you know, marketer. Oh, here I am. Well, I mean, like, you know, my clients did not really care. And we sat there and like, you know, clients really hire us to grow their business to make more money. It really is about making more money. But I'm like, oh, we can't use that copy on 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 the homepage. Make more money. And I was having this conversation with my partner. And she's like, no, no, no. She's like, You think this VP of e-commerce, you know, that hired us and it's a company three hundred million dollars. She's thinking to herself, I want to make more money. I don't, I don't know, but I know something else. I know the CMO. Is they're part of an investment group? They're about three billion dollar, like you know, investment group. I'm like, oh, Let me call him. So I call him. We've been working together now for three, four years. I'm like, Jake, can I can I ask you a question? Like, He's like, Yeah, sure. He's like, Why do you guys hire us? He's like, It's very simple, Khaled. We want to make more money. He's like, Why do you think we hired you? And I'm like, Here it is, like you know, CMO, three billion dollars, and. He's like just like deciphered it. He's very comfortable saying it. He didn't use big words and jargon. And we're like, okay, we're changing the copy on our, our homepage. We need to speak how normal people speak, and I think that will really help them. Now, what's amazing is the minute we change our copy, like you know, and we get quite a bit of leads through our site. But I can tell you, it's almost tripled by just change, changing. Wow. You know, Yes, I mean it's, it's, it's been incredible. And nice. I'm like, Wow. I'm like, okay, well, here without an A/B test, I'm like, I can tell you.
0: <laughs> what I like about the way you describe stuff is that you're willing to be transparent and honest and say that the advice you give clients are difficult to take, you know, are actually difficult to internalize and do yourself, right? It makes sense for others because it's not your baby, not your business. As soon as it touches you from a emotional, psychological level, then you have the barriers that stand up, and that's that's amazing because it's kind of a catch twenty two on this sense. But anyway, it's nice sometimes to use buzzwords. What I mean by buzzwords is that it's important sometimes if if in an industry everyone talks the same way and even their self story, you know, they use specific word like CRO and conversion rate optimization. As soon as everyone in your market understand it, then it's okay not to simplify it or to remove it. Yeah. But most of the time, I mean, from my small experience, it's I struggle to find examples where people don't talk about. What they want to achieve in simple terms, when no one else is hearing it, you know, obviously it's not the same as talking in front of an audience. But when they don't want to sound when they don't want to sound smart and when they just want to get stuff done, describe stuff simply, they usually use simple words. Is that your experience?
1: I, I completely agree. Um, even by the way, like you know, I, I think it's kind of mixing the two, correct? So there is like you know some like a little bit of like you know, words because sometimes like you know people can relate to them, but I avoid jargon as much as as, as I can. And and kind of like the, the rule is I'm like if I can explain it to my mom and she would understand I would have done well I'll, you know um because sometimes you use like you know I mean like think about even conversion optimization what does it mean it means one thing for me it means something else for somebody else you know and it means something completely different however business growth sales through the practice of A/B testing people understand that nowadays most most people understand that so I'd rather I'd rather use that finding that sweet spot. Is, is difficult, but it's also very powerful. It can have a really powerful impact on on the people who are coming to visit your site. I was gonna say on the on your target markets. Because like, they're not target, <laughs> they're people, you know. And then being able to say that, like you know, people come. I'm like, they're not visitors, they are people. I'm like, oh yeah, they are people.
0: So so I'm an e-commerce website. I reach out to you. I have, let's say, 1,000 transactions a month or more. Mm-hmm. Um, you had my blessing from uh, interviewing a few of my recent customers. And you start to have an understanding of why d- did they buy from you? You talked about like writing copy and stuff, but I think we forgot there's a few steps in between. And we don't have a cr- huge amount of time in front of us, so let's try to keep it maybe to the next step or two. Yeah. Once we understand, roughly why they bought from us, from a like psychological perspective, the real reason why they bought from us. What do you do with this information? Sure.
1: So there's several things that you do, and I'm going to summarize them quickly. First, you want we, what we typically do is we'll run what we call an expert review. Now, I already know the motivations, correct? And the emotional side of things. Then we'll run an expert review. And there's two different types of expert reviews. One is usability-focused, making sure I click on a button, what happens, what's supposed to happen happens. Then we'll do a conversion review. So that's persuasion. Are we using the emotional messaging? Are we using the social, like you know, and like you know, uh, messaging on the sites, uh, or the layouts, the, you know? And and for that, like you know, we evaluate the page layout, the visitor flow throughout the website. So that's an expert review, and that's done typically first on mobile, second on desktop for most websites. Lots of people, lots of times, I see people evaluate the desktop because we're used to it. But really, most visitors are coming on mobile, so let's start with mobile. Sometimes we even skip desktop altogether. It's just not worth it, you know. After you do the expert review, then we look at analytics, and I like to call it the data analysis. Let's look at the numbers. You know, the numbers would tell us what's going on on the website. They don't tell us why things are happening, but where are people dropping off? Just a side note: I think most analytics analysis is just too rudimentary. It's embarrassing. I've actually, I mean, you know, been involved, like, you now in the Google Analytics community since what two thousand seven, and there's processes that are out there. I had my daughter, who was in eighth grade, intern with us. A couple of summers ago and I showed her how to do a Google Analytics analysis. And I'm like, oh my God, if I if I'm teaching an like you know an eighth grader how to do what most consultants do, I'm like, there's a problem in it. But that's a whole other episode of the podcast. We'll do the analytics analysis. Then by the way, we'll take the insights that we got from the jobs to be done interviews and then we'll launch lots of polling on the website. That's when you know you see those small pop-ups. We're asking people, you know, what brought you to the website, what's stopping you from converting. Now here's the thing. Polls are interesting because they give you a couple of data points because you're typically asking a couple of questions from a lot of people. So you need to know what questions you can ask. That's when you take those insights that you took from a few customers and you validate them. You're throwing the questions out, you know, to lots of people to validate, okay, what trends are we seeing? We might do competitive analysis. I'm a bit weary sometimes because some of clients just copy other competitors
0: constantly. So I'm very weary of doing something like that. We put internally... The herd herd mentality is strong with people, right? They can't help... They can't help but copy without knowing. Exactly.
1: Our oh, marketers um, are, are predictable. We, we, we just love to copy.
0: So so uh, let's let's just dive into. So we're not going to talk about uh, the usability uh, conversion review. Nor are we going to talk about analytics. But let's just talk about polling and little polls, mini surveys on your website. One thing that I like to do with this is to ask questions to folks who nearly didn't convert. And. Because the opinions of everyone on the website doesn't really matter. You you can have students like going onto your website, just researching, or competitors looking at you. Not everyone is equal on the website. What I like to do is looking at asking a question specifically to people who nearly didn't convert, spend a lot of time on your site, and then asking a question, you know, why aren't you buying, for example? Anyway, from your perspective, what is the number one question, the number one place that you like to place people on?
1: Uh, so sometimes like you know I, I like so we'll ask people different types of questions. motivators, what brought you to the website. I really want to know, by the mm-hmm. way, because I know I can look at where you're coming from, like using analytics, but really what brought you to our website is is very important for me. but, barriers what is stopping you from converting especially if somebody is returning and they have items in the cart and you know how to program the poll to pull that those are the people because they might be doing some research what kind of like you know information what kind of nudging we need to give them to tell them oh it's time to to convert one of the worst things that happen with lots of e-commerce websites is people come do the research on your website and then they go and convert on a competing website that's how Amazon makes a good chunk of its money by the way uh, I was buying an expensive coffee machine. Seattle Coffee Gear has the most amazing videos explaining the coffee machines, uh, but they have them on their blog and they don't, and they have them on their YouTube channel, but they don't link them to like their actual e commerce product pages. I must have spent a month doing the research and I was going to convert on Amazon. And just before I convert, I'm like, you know what? No, no, those guys deserve my, like, you know, $350. I'm like, they've done so much. They did not target me. They did not ask me. They did not asking somebody, like, you know, what's stopping you from converting? And then taking those answers, doing some analysis, like, you know, let's pull all of like you know, 100 answers, 500 answers, and see what are the trends that we're seeing. How can we actually what's missing from our website? You know, we might have, lots of times people have the right content, but it's in the wrong places. Nowadays, like, you know, you have all the information, but it's like splattered all over the place. Like, bring it, bring it all together in the, in the right place, present it to people, and help them make that decision, because that's what they need.
0: I love that all around, and I think it's, it connects with what I was saying at the start, which is, you want to ask folks who are nearly converting almost didn't because you know that they are showing some sort of intent and interest i think that's one mistake i see a lot of people doing when they look at their website they treat all their visitors to be equal but it's not it's never the case you're never going to try to convince everyone to buy from you so you would set up a little poll either on the checkout when people have a cart sorry
1: yeah so either on the checkout process people who have added items to the cart but did not start the checkout that's something else you know so there's different ways visitors that show intent are very valuable segments but did not convert correct like you know near converters that's converters are amazing we love them you know uh, but we can also ask them other questions but the near converters huh, almost there but not quiet uh, so how how can i what's what's missing what do i need to do to nudge you uh, those are a lot easier to convert by the way than somebody who just uh, went to the homepage, category page, and then never added an item to the cart. To me, going to the product pages is an indicator. That's their interest Absolutely, this in battles. Click on the add to cart, a second in- indicator. Oh, they're even more interested. Starting the checkout. Oh, we have something here. But then they never convert. It's like, hey, what happened? Come back. Yeah. Let's have a conversation.
0: Yeah. What I like to do to show people that you don't don't treat your visitors as equal and you see how many people actually don't care about you or even to buy from you, it's to have a little poll on the homepage as soon as they land and ask, why are you on this website? Like, what's the number one reason for your for your visit today? Just browsing, researching, about to buy and whatnot. And you can almost all the time, 80, 90% of people say, you know, I don't want to buy right now at all. I'm just just looking, whatever. And you can see then how much work it is to convince people to buy from you because that's not part of their... They are not set out to buy from you. My wife spends... An hour, an hour and a half, two hours sometimes a day browsing e-commerce websites, looking at the latest clothes. If you're trying to convince her to buy from you, you're going to have a very tough time. So once you understand their intent, things get easier, right? You can't just try to convince everyone to buy from you right uh,
1: now i'll tell you something r- was really crushing to me you know like w- we generate leads through our website and i'm like oh man like you know we got our career in- conversion optimization company must increase our own conversion rates i was very excited and we start. that's the first poll it's like oh so what are you trying to do why are you visiting our website today learn about conversion optimization learn about digital marketing Hire a, a cro company i forgot like you know and i'm like Let's say 2% of the people that are coming. And we've, I think, surveyed like you know, almost like a 1,000 or even more people. Only 2% wanted to hire a CRO company. I'm like, really? Not 15%? You know, 80% wanted to learn about CRO. So I'm like, okay, well, if our visitors want that, I guess we need to figure out a way to bring some of our blog content, categorize it, and help them really learn about CRO. I was hoping it would be a lot, a lot more. I'll mention something else, which is sort of an interesting, interesting thing. Lots of people go on Instagram. I'm not an Instagrammer. I c- cannot figure out Instagram, by the way. So sort, of, sort of funny. But like, you know, especially ladies, and they see all these amazing outfits because they follow influencers. And then they go on e-commerce websites, and they see the products, but it's not the same thing that they're seeing. And then there's this gap, correct? Um, now, if you can bridge the gap, that's just amazing. But it's like, you know, until now, e-commerce lives in one world, social lives in another world. And we talk about, like, you know, how we're trying to merge the two, but it's still not there. Imagine if somebody does that to your wife. Oh my God, that's going to screw up your budget. By the way, yes,
0: (laughs) there you go. So don't, don't, don't work with more e-commerce websites, especially not fashion brands, please, or else you're going to have a a tough time. Halid, you've been a pleasure. Thanks so much for going through this step by step with me, showing a few uh, tips. Uh, You show great passion, energy for the craft, and what I'm, I think, the happiest with, with your answers is that you repeat stuff that we've said before over and over again and you add a lot of depth to it as well a lot of things i hadn't heard before so thank you uh before i let you go i would want to ask you two two last questions um the first one being what do you think marketers should learn today that will help them in the next five years 10 years or 50 years
1: the one thing that you will learn and the one thing that will never change, learn how to speak to your customers. Those interviews that we talked about. Listen, technology is going to change back and forth. Today, something is hot. JavaScript is hot. Everybody wants to learn JavaScript. Everybody wants to learn analytics. 20 years from now, it's probably going to be something completely different. I don't care. You know, How do I speak to my customers? Um, you know, and, 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 and those interviews, by the way, my daughter, I keep on mentioning her. I'm trying to teach her that. I'm like, this helps you in everything in your life. And then the other thing that is very powerful is copywriting. Copywriting helps you whether you're a doctor, a marketer, a student, a university professor. Learn that that changes uh, that changes your career. Uh, Paplaha, who's from CXL, absolutely love how they impacted the industry. Had a comment once, and I'm like, wow, that was very powerful. He said, he said, I literally wrote my own career because he relied on relied on his writing and that's how he established CXL which is a competitor but you know uh, kudos like because they've done amazing work so i'm like th- those two skills talk to customers and copywriting oh my god that can change your life as a marketer
0: amen absolutely thank you so much uh and last question what are the top 3 best resources uh you like to share with listeners today could be anything from blog to podcast to books to anything
1: Oh, man. So, like, you know, by the way, one one of the books that I've read that I keep recommending in every podcast interview I do, uh, The Road Less Stupid. Very powerful. I wish I had read it 10 years ago. Probably would have saved me a few hundred thousand dollars. Um, I highly recommend it if you run your own business, if you're a marketer. It's such an easy read, but it is very powerful because it makes you stop and kind of rethink and re calibrate, like, you know, how, like, you know, we make so many stupid decisions. So that's, that's one book that I highly, uh, I highly recommend. When it comes to podcasts, I'm like all over, uh, I'm all over uh, the place. I try and like, you know, keep, you know, multiple podcasts. What I've, what I've started to do lately is to move away from business-related podcasts because that's what I always do, read business books and listen to business podcasts. Uh, so it's just something, like, you know, something completely something, reading non-fiction uh, fiction, like, you know, even books. That's something, like, and I've ordered, like, you know, I think 20 books yesterday. I'm like, oh, this this will be a nice, uh, nice break. Finally, I have to, like, you know, be a little selfish over here, self-serving. So uh, if somebody's interested, because we're changing, we're investing a lot in the blog and we're changing the style of the blog where we're R- relying a lot on like you know, tactical examples because it turns out that what people like. We'd love to have people like you know, visit our blog investcro.com for, .com for a slash blog.
0: Awesome and thanks for mentioning everyone has marketers on the blog recently.
1: Ah, uh, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it tremendously.